Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. All right, good morning. Good morning. God bless you. Thank you so much. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you and we thank you so much. Thank you that your word is powerful and it makes sense and it's life for everyone. Pray that you um, please use me this morning to speak to your people and say what's on your heart for this church. Thank you for this opportunity. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So God bless you. Thank you so much. Let me greet you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, honor God, my Father, uh, Pastor Eddie and Sister Melinda, uh, Pastor Stephen, Sister Lindsay in their absence. Pastor Paul is here. All of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, greetings in Jesus' name. Uh, thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to, to, to speak and, and serve here. I love you all, and I'm, I'm deeply appreciative. Uh, so today's going to be fun. Uh, let's go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We're going to focus on verses 27 through 31. Some of y'all know me by now. You're going to need something to write with and something to write on. Okay, so if you don't have a pen, let the usher know. You're going to need to take some notes. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 31. And I want to speak to you today from the subject, move your feet, lose your seat. Luke chapter 5 from verse 27 through 31, speaking to you today from the subject, move your feet, lose your seat. So let's read the text for context and then we'll get started. Luke chapter 5, 27 through 31. And after these things, he went forth, he, Jesus, and saw a publican named Levi, or Matthew, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. Verse 28, and he left all, rose up, and followed him. At 29, and Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Last verse 31, and Jesus answering said unto them that they they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Actually, we'll keep going. I, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. All right. Move your feet, lose your seat. Now, I live in the Midwest, but I came of age in the wild, wild west of Catholic all-boys school in the Bronx, New York. I spent seven years at the Mount St. Michael Academy for Boys. My educational experiences featured priests and nuns, boys in uniforms and ties, religion classes, and fish on Fridays for Lent. There was always some weird combination of must and lust and ax body spray in the airs. And while the days may have started with morning prayer, they often ended with detentions, suspensions, fights and more fights, wars and rumors of wars. Here's one of the things I learned very quickly about surviving the Alamo of Mount St. Michael Academy. If you move your feet, you're going to lose your seat. 
Now, some students were notorious for messing with the chairs of students who got up during assembly or some outdoor event. They'd either take your seat, flip your seat, hide your seat, destroy your seat, sit on your seat. Because if you move your feet, you're going to lose your seat. So folks would use all kinds of strategies to keep their seat in assembly. Like having a friend kind of spread himself out, right? Maybe put a coat on it or a Bible on it or a book on it to make sure, hey, man, this is my spot. I'm coming right back. Now, that's a dangerous game because at old boys school, you don't want to leave your stuff unattended. <laughs> your spot and your stuff going to get run. <laughs> it's going to disappear. In most extreme cases, some boys might say, you know, enough of this. I'm going to take my chair with me all the way to the bathroom. So true story, it's not uncommon in my school to see somebody walking like this. Because in Mount St. Michael Academy for Boys, if you move your feet, you're going to lose your seat. Now, our Table Talk series highlights the intimate moments Jesus had with people to better reveal himself to them. And in our text, Matthew, or Levi, has pulled out all the stops and put out a party where Jesus, the chief guest, can meet all of Matthew's old running partners and they can hear the gospel. Matthew sets the table for Jesus to do his best work. But what's most interesting to me about this story is that this table talk never happens unless Matthew first walks away from the tax collector's table. Verse 28. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. None of this table talk that's going to happen later in our text, oh, I've come to call the right, I've come to call the righteous, but sinister repents. None of that happens unless Matthew decides, I'm going to follow Jesus. This, this beautiful table talk, this party that we see, none of that happens unless Matthew decides, you know what? I'm going to move my feet, and I'm going to willingly give up my seat. Today, we'll see that following Jesus requires you and I to leave one table and set another one for other people. We are going to ask, what does it cost for you and I to move our feet and lose our seat and follow Jesus? And then we're going to think about a very important question. How does the, Bible, how does the believer relate to their unsaved context, contacts once they, lose, once they leave that table that they used to associate at? So I want to break this down into three subpoints. I hope you're, you're ready to write. There are three things that Matthew gives up when he leaves his original table. Please write these down. There's the purse. The pattern. And the people. Shout out to my people. There's the purse. Tax collector. The pattern, the habit of coming and going every day, taking his usual seat, doing his regular business. Then there's also the people. Three things Matthew has to give up to follow Jesus. I want to talk about what that actually feels like. Mm -hmm. Move your feet, lose your seat. Okay, let's talk about the purse. The purse. When Jesus met Matthew at the tax collector's table, he likely saw this man with bags of money. 
surrounded by receipts and coins filled with money that people use to pay their dues, pay their taxes. His business, this table, his wealth, his skills revolved around securing the bag at all costs, even when it meant overcharging folks or threatening some people with jail time to pay some jacked up taxes. Matthew lived his whole life in pursuit of the purse. The purse represents the thing that you would do anything for. The purse is that thing you feel like you can't live life without. It is your world, it is your focus, it is your motivation, and they may not necessarily be ungodly things. The purse can be that career dream. The purse can be that vision for your life. The purse can be that perfect person you think you have to be with. But God says, if you're going to follow me, you can't hold on to anything except for me. God says, I need you to move your feet and lose your seat, even if it means you're not so close to the thing that you treasure anymore. God says, I need you to create distance between you and the purse if you're going to follow me and be my disciple. I'm the only one who can be your treasure. God says, I'm the only one who can be your prize. Friends, you and I cannot follow Jesus and hold on to the purse. <laughs> Why? Because you're going you're gonna to jingle all the way. And as you follow and your faith gets tested, you're going to remember, wait, I, I have a backup plan, <laughs> right? I don't have to deny myself. I got, I got something here. And then you backslide. When your faith gets tested and you still, you're still carrying that purse and Jesus doesn't answer your prayer and he tests you with patience, you're going to say, you know what? I don't need this. I got my emergency stash. You got to move your feet and lose your seat. Create distance between you and that thing that you love so much if you're going to be a real disciple. You cannot follow Jesus and hold on to the purse. The weight of it, the feel of it, the sound of it, the closeness of it, the prospect of spending it will keep you from selling out to Jesus Christ. Because you feel like it's just too expensive. I can't, I can't put this down. You can't follow Jesus and, and hold on to the purse because it tells the people at the table, hey, I'm coming back. <laughs> it's still my God. We're still the same. I can have the cross and have the purse. No, you can't. No, you can't. Holding on to the purse while trying to follow Jesus tells all the boys and girls you left behind that, hey, Jesus is not really my master. He's just another treasure in my treasure box. I got Jesus and a little bit of jingle. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? According to our text, 
Matthew left everything, including the purse, rose up and followed Jesus. Believers, when you and I give up the purse to pursue Jesus, you are testifying to everyone that you left behind that you have found a better treasure. When you walk away from the table of wealth and opportunity to cling to the old rugged cross, you tell the people that you've left behind that you have found something worth living and dying for. Matthew's absence from the table spoke volumes. The empty, the empty seat began to build people's spiritual curiosity. What is it that would make somebody like him, a, a purse chaser like him, a treasure hunter like him, a man of money like him, move his feet and lose his seat and never come back? What has he now found that's more precious than silver and gold? And now they're thinking, whatever that is, I, I, gotta, I gotta get with that. It's definitely valuable. Christians, you won't always know the right words to say when folks ask you about your testimony. But letting Jesus Christ change your values is the greatest testimony you'll ever have. Yes, you're going to know more when you come to Bible study. You'll know more as you follow God. But your greatest witness will always be the empty seat. Your greatest witness will always be your empty hands. Your greatest witness will always be when you're not walking so heavy anymore because you're not carrying the things of this world anymore. Don't let the devil fool you. No, you're not perfect. No, you're not there yet. But as long as you don't go back to the seat that Jesus pulled you from, you're doing a good work. Matthew left the purse, rose up, and follow Jesus. All right. Item number two, that he left, he left the pattern. All right, so first he left the purse. Next he leaves the pattern. The pattern. The pattern is the rhythm of your life. It is your predictable way of doing your every day. It is your routine. It is your natural process. And in many ways, your pattern and your purse are inextricably linked. How you spend your time and who you spend your time with tells me everything about what you treasure. So in leaving the table to follow Jesus, Matthew is choosing to give up his normal, everyday routine for a new Christ-like pattern. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. What this means is, when I follow Jesus, I'm learning a new way of thinking and behaving. When I choose to follow Jesus, I'm embracing a whole new way of doing everything I ever thought I ever knew how to do. The grown man becomes a learner one more time. Mm -hmm. The big boss becomes a student one more time. I have to give up my old approaches to life, my old rhythms of life, my old habits of life, and say, Jesus, show me a whole new way of being me, because that old man is now dead. So, you see, when Jesus says to Matthew, follow me, 
He's not just saying, join me. He's saying, become like me. Model my behavior. Do what I do. Obey my commands. Seek me for direction. Move your feet, lose your seat, and let me show you where you got to go. And this is many of our problems with following Jesus Christ. The problem for many of us is we want Jesus' benefits, but we want to keep the rhythm of our lives. I don't want to go to hell, but I don't need nobody telling me what to do. I'll move my feet, but you better let me keep my seat. Huh? I worship in church, but at the end of the day, I want to come back and see my boys and count my change. You can't hold on to your seat and cling to the cross at the same time. You can't lift your hands in worship and hold on to your seat at the same time. You can't surrender all to the Lord and want him to set a fire in your soul and hold on to your seat at the same time. You have to move your feet. Lose your seat and let the Lord lead you where he wants to take you. That's what it means to be a disciple. Church, there's only one way to love the Lord. And that is with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. He's either Lord of everything or he's not your Lord at all. When you choose to follow Jesus, everything that's yours becomes his. It becomes his to manipulate. It becomes his to adjust. It becomes his to disrupt. It becomes his to even destroy. Not because he's cruel, but because some of the things in your old life don't support your new life. And you don't even know what those things are. But Jesus will show you as you follow him. When you give up your pattern to follow Jesus, your life suddenly starts to change. Your mornings now start with prayer and Bible study. You're, you're, you start making church a priority on Sundays and Wednesdays. And if you're crazy, you come on a Saturday. Your YouTube playlist changes. Your internet browser history changes. Certain businesses no longer get your business anymore. Some of the pleasures you used to love, you're now embarrassed that you used to love them. Jesus changes everything. What's happening to you? Jesus is just changing the pattern of my life. The old is gone, the new is come, and he's just, he's just doing something in me. But what's even more exciting is when your everyday interactions with people start changing because of what Jesus is doing in you. Think about it. For Matthew, some of the same people he used to rob as a tax collector... He now has to serve them as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Some of the same people he used to exploit as a tax collector, he now has to apologize to and repay as a disciple of Jesus Christ. When he was all about the purse, he had a different pattern of relating to people. But now that he's given up that pursuit, now that he's given up the purse, now that Jesus has given him a new purpose, Matthew has a new relationship to everybody. Believers, 
more people would be impressed by our salvation if we allowed Jesus to do a work in our hearts that improved our relationship with one another. More of our contacts, more of our connections, more of our old friends would be drawn to our new gospel if we just learned how to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Don't tell me how you love the presence of God and you pray two hours a day and God shows you visions and dreams, but you can't admit when you made a mistake. Don't tell me Jesus can show you the future. Oh, you work in the prophetic, you operate in the mysteries of the, you're in third heaven, fourth heaven, but you can't even say, Val, I'm, I was so wrong, forgive me. When you become less like yourself and more like Jesus, you'll have a tender heart that will improve your relationships with everybody. You'll be more easy, you'll, it'll be easier for you to say, sister, I was wrong when I did that. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. It'll be so much easier for you to say, brother, listen, we, when we were arguing, I said some things that were just ugly. Forgive me for that. That's the Jesus model. When folks saw Matthew, the man that robbed them, walking with Jesus, serving tables, paying back money, they knew something special had happened to him. When they no longer saw him working the tax table, but instead they saw him helping Jesus feed the 5,000, giving stuff away, they knew something happened to that brother. Does anybody know anything has happened to you? How, how, how did Matthew have the courage to admit to all these people, yo, I've been robbing you for like years. <laughs> Right? <laughs> like, yo, here's your money back, and here's your money back, and here's your money back, and here's your... I wonder if he ever robbed some of the disciples. That would be hilarious, right? <laughs> All right, focus. Um, <laughs> friends, people's spiritual curiosity starts to grow when you allow Jesus to make you do things that you never used to do without a court order or looking for somebody to pay you back. You got to let Jesus break your pattern and give you a whole new way of being yourself. That's when your friends are going to believe that this gospel actually does some good. When they see that change in your life and in your interactions with them. So to recap, Jesus called Matthew from the tax collector's table. And Matthew gave up the purse and abandoned his old pattern. And likewise, if we're going to follow Jesus... Our old priorities and patterns have to be left behind in exchange for Jesus' model of living. But what about the people who we leave behind? After all, Matthew, like us, has this whole sin community and network, right? You were living life. You had your friends. You were doing stuff before you got saved. What are you supposed to do with the people you used to call your boys and your girls, your loved ones, your homies, your body? You know, what are you supposed to do with them? What is your relationship to be, supposed to be like with your ex-whatevers when you move your feet and lose your seat? <laughs> All right, we're going to close by talking about the people. Last point, the people. The people. We cannot underestimate how important the community of tax collectors was to Matthew. These brothers were literally hated by everybody. 
So all they had was each other. Matthew was stepping into the only community of love and affirmation and support he ever knew and stepping into enemy territory when Jesus said, hey, follow me. That's a high price to pay. I don't know. I don't know how he felt trying to navigate this, this new relationship. Okay. Now let me let me make this clear. When you're not saved, you and your friends who aren't saved, y'all have a common struggle, y'all have a common enemy, y'all have a common life, y'all have a common rhythm. You can say amen, that's true, that's fine, no shame. But when Jesus calls you to follow him, your goals change, your rhythm changes, your struggles change, you're now fighting against sin, and so your circle has to change as well. To successfully follow Jesus, you're going to need a new network of support to support your godly goals. Now, this is hard, and I'm going to take my time here because I don't want you to hear me say cut everybody off because I'm going somewhere with this. But I have to say, when you get saved, there are some people you have to let go of because they have a negative influence on your life. There are some folks who you know you are particularly vulnerable to. If they call, you know you're coming. If they invite you, you know you're not going to say no. They send you that picture, you know you're going to look at it. They call you by that name, you know you get weak in the knees. When you decide to follow Jesus, these relationships, they got to go. Why? Because these relationships keep you in the old pattern that keeps you at the table that Jesus has already called you to leave. You're not better than them. You're just trying to, you're just going in a different place. You're just going in a different place. You know they were good for your old life. They're just not good for your new life. You need a different kind of support for your new life in Jesus Christ. Your old running mates, they can't help you Read the Bible. Your old running mates, they can't help you when you start doubting if you made the right choice. Your old running mates, brothers, cannot help you love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life as a sacrifice for him. Can't, for her. can't help you do it. You need a new network of support for your new life. You see, Matthew now needed the fellowship of the other disciples if he was going to successfully follow Jesus Christ. He needed people who were learning to be like Jesus, like he was. He needed people who now spoke the same language and served the same Lord and were heading in the same direction. These new strangers, these other 11 men like Judas and Peter and all them that he had never met before, he's like, these folks got to become my friends because they're going in the same place I'm going. There was a new wet work that he had to invest in. Friends, if you are saved, you need to begin to invest in the family of God. You need to invest in your relationship with members of the body of Christ. Jesus died so that you and I could be family. 
and he put this local body together so each of us could support each other on our way to heaven. But if we avoid coming to the table together, oh, they're all hypocrites, oh, no one likes me, oh, uh, you're going to slowly backslide. And you know what you're going to do? I had friends over there. They loved me over there. I have a seat over there. Not because no one at church loves you, because you did not invest in your relationship with the new community Jesus has called you to be a part of. This is why we need the community of believers to help us stay the course. This is what Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am right there. You're not getting that over here. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is the only fellowship that God says, I'm just going to breathe on all of that. Every time they get together, how many of the one, two, boom, here I am. We can have 50 fools over here counting money and we all start fighting. <laughs> that was funny, right? <laughs> We need people who can keep us honest and accountable in our discipleship. Mm -hmm. If you're saved, we need you to cling to this community. Right? Meet me halfway. Come to men's Bible study. Come to women's Bible Come shoot the guns, right? Do, do your thing, right? Do your thing. Stay connected to the community lest you backslide and lose your mind. People that keep you in the pattern that God has called you from, those people need to be cut off. You should pray for them, but for the sake of your soul and your fellowship with Jesus, they can't be your circle no more. And like we just saw, there's power in godly fellowship, godly sisterhood, godly brotherhood. God breathes on that. But there is this third category of person that Matthew seems to keep in contact with. These are his unsafe peers who are curious about the changes that are going on in his life. And he had a greater impact on them than they had on him. Let me show you that. This is verse 29. Let's start with verse 28. Anyway, so he, he left all, meaning all, the purse, the, per, the pattern, the people, he left them, rose up and followed Jesus. Now, after some time, verse 29, Levi made a great feast in his house. And who was there? A great company of publicans and others that sat down with them. Some of them old boys were there. I thought he cut them off. Certain people you got to cut off. Certain people you got to stay connected with because now they are your mission field. I'm going to show you that. Verse 30, let's go to verse 30. But the scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples saying, why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Why are they here? I thought y'all are saved. How do you have any connection with nobody who, somebody who's not saved? And Jesus answering said unto them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came to call the righteous, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay. Even though Matthew gave up the purse and broke out of the pattern, he remembered these people. Even though he gave up the purse, that's, that's not my stuff anymore. Even though he broke up the pattern, that's not my seat anymore. He did not forget there are people who are just like me who need the God that I'm serving right now. Gave up the purse, gave up the, gave up the pattern, remembered the people, remembered the people. 
He knew there were people still sitting at the table trying to secure the bag like he used to. He knew they did not know there was a better life. He knew they did not know there was a better table. Not long ago, he was just like them, robbing everybody. But Jesus happened to him. And now he wanted them to experience exactly what he's experiencing. It was time for them to move their feet and lose their seat. When you get saved, your unsaved connections are now your mission field. They are your spiritual assignments. And nothing they can give you is greater than what you can give them, an invitation to Jesus Christ. In some ways, you are now their connection to Jesus because you were already connected to them in your past life. In walking with Jesus for some time, Matthew knew Jesus wanted folks to be saved. It was very clear. The, the I have not come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners to repentance. I'm sure he heard that before. But Matthew also knew that his friends would not just leave the tax collector's table like he did. It wasn't going to be so easy for them to make that same cut, that same break, that same separation like he did. And so he says to himself, I'm going to partner with Jesus, and I'm going to set a table that I can get my sinner friends to meet the Savior. That's going to be on me. He's not saying, oh, they're going to come to church when they're ready. They know, they know where to find me on Sunday. He says, I'm going to find a way to prepare a table for them so that they can encounter the man that I love. Matthew is the middle man. He's the man in the middle now. Between his sinner friends and Jesus Christ, he says, Jesus, you can use me to get them to your feet. Mm -hmm. They don't know Jesus, but they know me. They don't know my church, but they know me. They don't know no Bible, no John 3, 16, no nothing, but they know me. And my testimony is going to be exactly what brings them to the feet of Jesus Christ. Jesus, you can use me. But I have, to, I have to set the table. Church, what efforts are you making so that your unsafe friends get to experience what you're experiencing? What are you doing so that your unsaved loved ones, your old boys, your old girls, get to know the satisfaction of Jesus Christ? We can't say, oh, they're going to come. They're not going to come. They're just going to show up one day. Come on. Come on. You go get them. You go get them. How, how you going to get them? How do we do this? Come with me, uh, Ennis. Let, let's, let's try this. We lay the groundwork for getting our brothers and sisters to Jesus Christ by setting a new table. Y'all see that in the scripture? Matthew invited people to his house, set a table, and said, Jesus is going to do the work. So let's show you this. So we, this is Jesus Christ. Behold, beautiful, <laughs> clean cut, etc. I'm going to make the conscious decision to get my friends to the table with Jesus Christ. How? One way of doing this is by sharing your testimony. Nothing deep, nothing profound. Share your testimony. What does that look like? Friends, y'all know I used to be running with y'all. I was thieving. <laughs> I owed everybody money. But I met this man named Jesus, and he told me there's a better way to live, and now I'm living that life. You're setting the table. How can you set the table? 
you hear a sermon that you really love. Last week, Pastor Eddie was talking about washing what matters. You love that. You think that's so good, that's so profound, and you send them the link through your text message. What are you doing? You're setting the table. You're setting the table. What about when you know they're going through a hard time with their spouse? You know them and their spouse are on ends, and maybe you had the same situation, but then you met Jesus. How about you tell them that? How about you tell them, you know what? Me and my man, we were fighting forever. But you know what? We went to counseling, we sought the Lord, and Jesus just fixed everything in our relationship. What are you doing? You are setting the table. Some of us have yet to put in any work to get anybody saved. And we're wondering why the world is toxic and demonic and going to hell. It's my fault and it's your fault. Why? Because your unsafe friends are your spiritual assignment. And if you're not setting the table, they're not going to leave there. If that looks better than this, they're not coming. Y'all with me so far? Good. Okay, let's keep going. How else can you set the table? Maybe there's a song. Maybe there's a song that you love. Something from Hillsong or one of them other bands, and, and, and you know it's, it's ministry. You know the kind of garbage you used to listen to, and this thing is just setting your mind right. How about this? How about you just send them that song? Huh? Super easy. Hey, man, um, you know, the lyrics here are beautiful. I'm going to send this to you. I think this, is, I, think this, I think this will help you. What you're doing is setting the table. It doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be prophetic. You just have to care enough that your friends are living a life that is not helpful. And you set the table. Brothers and sisters. Yeah, there you go. We're good now. My mama's going to watch this, so you got to make sure we do it right. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, we have to make sure that what we have to offer people is better than this. But it's not because you can have a seat. And it's not because I'm setting it. It's because Jesus is at this table and he's not at this table. Huh? Huh? Jesus is here. He's not here. Okay, y'all come with me. Actually, y'all wait. Here? Because this is real life, right? You go and invite your friends to church and they're going to be like, nah, man, I'm good. But you're like, yo, there is peace here. There is joy. I'm so happy here. And they're going to be like, nah, man, but you don't understand. Jingle bells, jingle bells. But you know what's going to happen? One day, a recession going to hit and all of the money is gone. Gone. Right? What's going to happen is all the thieving and the lying and the deceit, we're going to start turning on each other. Because that's what happens. There's no peace in sin. There's unrest because the wrath of God remains on you. That's scripture, right? So eventually one day your friends are going to be like, yo, is that invitation? You sent me this song like two years ago. You sent me that, that, that Chandler Moore thing like two years ago. Yo, I, I couldn't shake that. For two years I haven't been able to shake that. Is, is, that, is that invitation to the table still open? Huh? Is that invitation to, are y'all still going to church? Are y'all still saved? Are, are you still doing that thing? It, does, it, does it really, really work? Now y'all come. Now y'all come. Now y'all come. Does it really, really work? And here's what's going to happen. It's not your job, and this is one of the things that freed me so much. It's not my job to save them. It's my job to introduce them to the Savior. Huh? We put so much pressure on ourselves to say the right thing and do the right thing and teach it homiletically and know which version of the Bible to use. I can't do all that. But you know who can do all that? He can. Jesus can. So my job, your job, is to get out of the way, stop being so selfish, and introduce our friends 
to the Savior. To the Savior. Introduce your friends to the Savior. Thank y'all so much. Y'all can go sit. All right, I'm wrapping up. Pastor Kennedy, I'm, I'm good here. We don't know what happened at that party. We don't know if anybody got saved. We don't know if demons were casted out. We don't know if the tax collectors were like, yo, you are so right. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. We don't know any of that. What we know is one man said, I am so happy with Jesus. I want my friends to experience him too. Brothers and sisters, that's all God requires of you and I if we're going to be disciples. Introduce him to those you left behind. They might not know John 3.16. They may never walk through these church doors. But your testimony is the greatest example they'll ever need. It's more than enough evidence of what they need to say, you know what? That Jesus thing, that thing works. And hey, if my friend could leave the purse, if my friend could leave the table, if my man who was chasing money and chasing wealth could walk away from all that, shoo, that, that Jesus thing really must work. My prayer to us, for us, River of Life, is that we allow God to take our hands and take our feet and set these tables for the dying world who needs to know who Jesus is. But we'll never be able to make a table, we'll never be able to set a table if we're still holding on to our seats at the old table. Huh? We'll never be able to build a table, create opportunities for people to encounter Jesus if we're still holding on to the things of this world. My desire for all of us is that we get to the place where we're done with this. Done with it. Doesn't even matter. And my whole purpose is to create opportunities for other people to learn to love the Lord, their God with all their heart, all their soul, all their strength, and with all their might. Y'all come on and stand and we'll close. Sisters and brothers, the most appropriate response for us to make now is to allow the Lord to take those things that we're holding on to, those things that we're clinging to, the purse, the seat, the responsibility, and say, God, you can have it. God doesn't take the purse. You give it up. God doesn't take the pattern. You give it up. God's not going to take the people. You give it up. And that's a daily surrender. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. And if you would, just lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, anything that I'm holding on to that's preventing me from being the man or woman who can set tables for others, I give it up now. You, you have called me from a mighty long way. You have brought me from some stuff. And I don't want to hold on to anything that brings me or keeps me in the pattern that you're delivering me from. Church, right now, whatever it is that you are holding on to, that you know is keeping you in the old life, I pray in the name of Jesus right now, you just tell the Lord, Jesus, I give it to you. Because that's the only way it's going to be gone. Jesus, I give it to you. Whatever it is, say it with your mouth. Jesus, I give it to you. Jesus, I, if it's that addiction, Jesus, I give it to you. I have the emergency stash. Jesus, I give it to you. I keep these contacts. I still keep them in my circle right now. Jesus, I give it to you. Church, I encourage you now. Open your mouth and tell the Lord. Jesus, I give it to you. Jesus, I give it to you. Jesus, I give it to you. And as you surrender it to him, he's taking it. 
He'll take the very taste of it out your mouth. He'll take the desire for it out of your body. He'll make those connections feel like they're not worth it. And the only way we're going to be the church of his presence, his promises, and all people is when we let go of that stuff and start setting those tables for others. Lord Jesus, right now, we open ourselves to you. You have diagnosed us. Your word has cut us. You see what's in our hands. You see what we're holding on to. And Lord, I pray that the spirit of surrender would sweep over your church and that we will be people whose hearts and minds and bodies are open to you. God, there is no treasure in this world that can compare with you. There is no seat at a table that compares with sitting in your presence. There is no habit of life that's worth dying for. Jesus, we embrace the cross today. We embrace the cross today. We die to the old self, and we give our lives to you. In Jesus' name. say that today sometimes in the church world we become just we love Ezekiel the prophet said God said to the prophet Ezekiel he says you know people come listen to you Ezekiel like someone is listening to a pretty song they come to church like they're in a concert he said that's the problem I have with the people but tell the people to live what they hear that's the book of Ezekiel please where find yourself in that today is Jesus calling them the tax collector. I don't know about you, but I feel like he called me all over again in a message like this. I could almost put dates next to the day I left the purse, the day I left the table, and the day I began to set the table for my new. I can almost put dates next to it. Can you do that today? 
That's what, I, that's what I want. Let's go out of this place this week and find out how we can do this. Where's the Matthews at? God, let, let the Holy Spirit just speak to your heart today as we move out of here. Father, we just do that right now. We lay down the purses. We forsake it, Lord. We leave, we leave those, God, that we just got to leave, and we leave them into your hands. Father, those that, God, you have left us still connected to, we let it be. Let us have a passion, God. Once again, a passion to win this. Some of them are in our own household. Some of them, our own spouses or children, have begun to grow cold over the last year. Father, let us look at them not as the problem, but as a mission field. In the name of Jesus, that's my mission field. That's my ministry right now. So restore my marriage. Restore my relationship with my kids, my family. Bring them to you, Lord, and let them sit at your table. Help me to do that this week, Father, I pray. In the name of Jesus. How many will receive that prayer today?